0: Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming. Beginning in this meditative way is such a reminder that love has a deeply spiritual meaning. And so as we go through the day together, I would like to keep coming back to that realization. and uh, perhaps we can begin with just a very simple way of defining love can't really be defined but can be described when i first began working on the book i thought okay maybe the lowest common denominator is connection and maybe i should say love is connection then i suddenly remembered my connection to the IRS. (laughs) (coughs) And I said, no, then that can't be enough. So I had to add caring. And when there's a genuinely caring connection with someone, uh, that will feel like love. And as some of you know, I further expand on it by saying that this caring connection is shown when we are attentive to others. We're really interested in what they feel and what they say and what they're seeking. We accept others as they are. We are appreciative of them. We show affection to them in a physical way. And this will be um, based on the nature of the relationship. It's non-sexual parent to child, but it can be sexual in adult life. Uh, depending on the nature of the relationship. And then finally, we're continually allowing the one we love to go when he needs to go and to stay when he's ready to stay. So I consider these five A's a way of describing what love is about, not only to others, but also to ourselves. So if we were to say, well, what would it actually mean to love yourself? It's that you're continually caring for yourself. Not only caring in the sense of um, I care what happens, but care in the other sense, uh, the way a shepherd cares for the sheep. It's attending. I'm tending my body mind and I do this by being attentive to what my body tells me and what I'm actually feeling and desiring, accepting myself just as I am, appreciating myself, holding myself affectionately and allowing myself to make the choices that reflect my deepest needs and wishes. Not the needs and wishes that others have told me are appropriate for me, but the ones that really come from within me. We love ourselves when we give to ourselves the very things that we had sought from our parents in early life. What an interesting connection to make that these five are actually our earliest needs. And some of us had parents who fulfilled these, at least in good enough ways, and others, unfortunately, did not. But all through life, we continue looking for the people, for the, for the others, who will come to us with attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. How do I know someone loves me? This is how he's present to me. How do I know I love someone? This is how I'm present to him or her. And when I direct these to myself, I am maintaining a caring connection to the deepest part of me that was born to be loved and to love. There's nothing sentimental about it. It's very um, clear, matter-of-fact, direct, just as these are. Attention would have to be direct, not diffuse and unfocused. Accepting you would have to be accepting you all the way, whether you're likable or not. Appreciative, this word in Latin, P-R-E-C, means price. Someone holds you as very valuable, holds you affectionately, shows it in physical ways, and instead of trying to control you, allows you to be uh, just who you are. I'm beginning this way because I want us to come from a stable sense of what our overall topic is about. And then as we go on, I want to concentrate on what it means to love ourselves. And what gets in the way of loving ourselves and others? And finally, perhaps the best way to look at this um, is to notice that we uh, we live in the center of many concentric circles. So here am I, and around me is a circle of those who are near and dear. Shall we say, my closest circle of loving friendship and relationship. And this will include a partner, family members, friends, Beyond this circle are the people that I know, but I have some difficulties with, people that I have some problems (laughs) with, um, and I don't really enjoy their company very much. Maybe you have someone like that you can think of? Then there are the people that are kind of neutral. This would be like the teller in the bank. People that you see in the course of a day, but you don't really have a strong connection. And then finally are all the people, all beings, everyone in the whole world. And these are people that you will never meet, but you know that they're out there. When you watch the news and you see terrible typhoon happening in the Philippines, instead of just looking at the screen with the feeling of, gee, that's a terrible thing to have happen, you would beam out some loving kindness. May they survive this. May they um, um, come through this as safely as possible. You would, When you say something like that, you're establishing a connection, and this is what's meant, or what's called in Buddhism, the practice of loving kindness. So I'm I'm not going to go into this now, we'll talk about it later. But notice that the practice of loving kindness is really a reflection of our set of connections. And the first connection is to myself, so that's why the practice begins, may I be happy, may those I love be happy, may those with whom I have difficulties, and so forth. And finally, may all beings be happy. So what we're basically saying here is that uh, there are many connections that I already have, and that I can make these connections more caring when I bring a certain conscious intention of loving kindness to them. And that will also involve showing these five A's in some, in whatever form seems to work. So let's begin that way. Any questions so far about the overall way of looking at our topic. I think we have, do you have somebody with microphones too? Okay, did somebody have a question so far? Okay, so I'll keep checking in with you on questions. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: This, we, we can't see over there, so
0: can you, works for most can you guys see?
2: Can you see?
0: Oh, yeah, let's turn the lights back on. <laughs> the
2: problem is when, you're riding, you're, you're, when you're riding, you're blocking the view.
0: So maybe oh, you okay, so, so if I stand moving. this way. What
2: if you just keep moving?
0: All right. I've been asked to keep moving, so. <laughs> now, can everybody see Okay. Is that okay? (laughs) Love is a caring connection which is shown by attentiveness, being accepting of others, being appreciative, showing affection physically, and allowing instead of controlling. Now in Buddhism, we have an important realization that takes us directly to this topic of connection because the sense of a separate eye, so the Latin word for I is ego, and it seems as if since our body is uh, encased in skin and certainly separate from all the other bodies, It seems as if this ego, I, is freestanding, is separate, even isolated. And the Buddhist principle, the teaching, is that this is an illusion. Actually, we are connected to everyone else, And our identity is contingent, that is, depending upon others and continually connected to others. So in that sense, this teaching that we've heard so much about and that we're familiar with, that there really is no ultimate self that stands alone, that in reality we're all interdependence, contingent, connected, was really a comment about love. It was really about the nature of love. Because when you bring caring to the connection, you are, as it were, um, showing the love that relates to the teaching. Secondly, in... In our Buddhist practice, we concentrate on mindfulness. And with mindfulness, I am making a commitment to the here and now. And I'm feeling myself uh, right here in the here and now, being, uh, shall we say, visited or even attacked by judgments, by fears, by attachments, attachment in the sense of clinging to something and, cra- and craving. And when I break these connections, when I don't allow them to interfere with my presence in the here and now, when, when there is no longer... Judgment interfering, no longer attachment, craving. It's not as if these go away completely, but each time they come back to visit, we pat them on the fanny and move them out. Uh, When we do this, that is a mindful moment. In other words, I am totally present right here with you or with myself. That too is a way of talking about love. I have come to realize that these teachings are all about love and they keep coming back to it because you can only love someone in a mindful way. You can't love someone while you're judging the person, fearing the person, so forth. You can only be loving when you're holding the other lightly in this attentive, accepting way, what I call the five A's. And mindfulness is a a practice that helps us get there in our relationships. So this is why it seems like a spiritual practice is directly connected to whether love can really work. Now when you ask yourself, "Well, what about my personal way of feeling loved? I definitely want to say something about this. Each of us has a different way of feeling loved. Some people feel loved when others stand up for them. Some people feel loved when others give them something. Some people feel loved when others... um, come through for them over and over, let's say. This sense that you have this personal spin on it all, because our overall, t- overall way of looking at it is a caring connection, and then you have unique ways of feeling loved. This is directly connected to how you first experienced love how you first felt it from mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, brother, sister, whoever the person was, or it could be somebody outside the family. If you think back, if you figure out what feels like love to you, if you get to know yourself that well, you will make the connection with someone in your past who loved you in that way. And we're continually wanting to uh, repeat, as a poem, thinking of a poem by Robert Browning in which he says, talking about a bird singing. He sings each song twice over, lest you think he never could recapture the first fine careless rapture. And that's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to recapture the first fine careless rapture, and it has a very um, unique flavor to it. It's kind of like a fingerprint. Uh, I know for myself, I've I've noticed that I feel loved when someone stays with me, and. I thought back and I realized, well, oh, that's what grandma used to do. She would just stay with me. She was kind of babysitting me. And she would just stay with me. And now that still feels like love because originally it came from a loving person. So you want to ask yourself this. Um, and then, this is the important part, instead of trying to get this only from others, you ask yourself, how can I give this to myself? So so if mine is, um, stay with me as I go through things, then I would have to be the kind of person who stays with myself through thick and thin, not just stay with my friends and relatives through thick and thin. This would be the challenge. Like, how how do I move from always trying to get this feeling of being loved as I first got it from someone, (coughs) came from someone, and now am I looking for the someone who will give it to me again? And we overlook this part, which is, how could I give it to myself? Make sense to everybody? And when the love was missing, it would be It would feel like a loss because you instinctively knew that you needed to be loved. You instinctively knew that it was up to your caretakers to hold you in a loving way, that is, attentively, acceptantly, and so forth. And when that wasn't happening, it would feel like um, you were somehow grieving, So take this poem by Emily Dickinson, in which she uh, tells us that this is what happened to her. Uh, In this poem, the word abroad is written in Civil War times. So abroad did not mean Europe. It meant uh, just going outside your house. (laughs) She didn't go much farther than that. A loss of something ever felt I, The first that I could recollect, bereft I was, of what I knew not. Too young that any should suspect, a mourner walked among the children. I, notwithstanding, went abroad, as one bemoaning a dominion, herself the only prince cast out. Elder today a session wiser and fainter too as wiseness is, I find myself still softly searching for my delinquent palaces, and a suspicion like a finger touches my forehead now and then that I am looking oppositely for the sight of the kingdom of heaven kingdom of heaven is within. So she says it so perfectly that you go out and look for what you missed. The delinquent palaces, the, the households that would feel like a palace, which is delinquent, didn't happen, canceled out. And so I'm looking for it outside, abroad. And then at some point... And the fact that she says... Um, She doesn't doesn't just say, I'm making it my business to go out and look. This is an important little phrase in the poem. I find myself still softly searching. Catch that? I find myself. I, I, I suddenly notice what I'm up to. That's what it will feel like. It will not feel like I'm out there looking. It'll just feel like it's in me and it just needs to go that way it's like a compulsion to make the connection with the one who will love me in the way that really feels unique to me and the work is to bring that task or that wonderful challenge to yourself. It's still okay to look for it from others. But now you won't be looking in a craving way or clinging when you find it. It won't, be, it won't be a grab and cling style. It'll be holding lightly because I'm already so satisfied with how I give it to myself. So this is why this time, instead of talking a lot about relationships, I would like to talk about how we love ourselves. Uh, okay. Questions about this part? Okay. Now let's get the microphone. Hold it one sec. Uh, right here. Hi. Um, Hi. Hey. Hello. Okay. Hey, can people hear me? Um. That's okay, she'll... uh... Yeah, because we want everybody to be able to hear.
1: Okay. Um, um, You were saying that
2: we might recreate our unique own feeling of feeling loved. I, I was wondering about that because, for me, my own unique feeling was someone following through, and yet, when I search back, I feel like I
1: didn't get that, and so... I want that. So my question
0: is, can that also be, if we didn't yes. experience that love, but we want to experience that Yes love? Okay. Uh, she's bringing up a good Thank point, you. which is another feature of this. So it's, uh, it's recreating the original experience, because that's where you learned what it would really be like. But if it was missing altogether, then you would have your own personal sense of what you wanted, and you'd be on the lookout for it, yeah. is the idea. And then the, the challenge would be, well, how can I start with giving this very thing to myself? So what you just brought up, like, yeah. how would you, how would, It's a, a rhetorical question, how would you find ways to take care of yourself that way? This is the very first thing we're learning about, how to love yourself. It begins with, what am I looking for from others? What am I really trying to find? And how can I begin to show some of that to myself? We certainly need others for many things, but We don't really need others for everything. That's the concept. Mm -hmm. Somebody else? uh, Oh, right here. Hi. Hi. You're Wade. Sorry? You're Wade? No, I'm Paul. We have met before, though. All right.
3: Yeah. Um, Kind of a subtle point, but um, so you talked about when things like, say, jealousies or judgments or negative emotions come. And you mentioned kind of like patting them on the fanny and letting them go on their way. And I guess I want to challenge you a little bit on that. I think okay. The thing that I, I think I found works more for me is like um, this too. The loving acceptance of this too as being an attribute of, of being in a human body and that these things are just going to come, and Mm -hmm. I no longer have any expectation that a day will come when they don't come anymore, um, as long as I'm in a body.
0: Yes. Um, He's bringing up um, the idea of... Remember we talked about allowing? So you allow yourself to feel exactly what's coming through, and you go with it this would not be the style of mindfulness style of mindfulness is touch and go notice it and let it go but another style that also works is simply to let yourself be totally present and allow whatever feeling or fear comes up and uh the the way i Uh, look at this is when you make room for whatever you happen to be feeling you are in a way giving hospitality to yourself because part of being you is having this feeling in this particular moment so let's say you're feeling fear then you would first admit that you're feeling afraid to yourself. Oh, this is fear right now. I mean, you're not using any um, words that help you weasel out of things. You know, like when the dentist says, there'll be a slight pressure. <laughs> yeah. And your mind says, Pain because that's the real name of it so admit and from the admitting and notice the and notice the two meanings of the word it's admit in the sense of acknowledge but it's also admit the way a movie ticket admits you let it in so you're admitting and then you are allowing it fully Let it take its full course. Let me feel this fear fully instead of running away from it as I usually do. Instead of turning on the TV or make a phone call or call somebody or take a pill or a drink, I'm just going to allow this. Let myself feel it all the way. So you go from admit to allow. And when you do this, when you go from this um, acknowledging to letting yourself Feel it fully, it starts to um, kind of wear out because every feeling is on a bell shaped curve. So here something scares me. Uh, I, I start to feel the fear, use an example of fear. Then it crests and I'm really scared. And then it will just start to decline. But what leads to it going over this bell-shaped curve is that I have admitted and allowed it. And then the third part, so I admit, I allow. And the third part is so important. I act in such a way that the fear cannot stop or drive me. Just remember the two things the car does, it drives and stops. So you're not, let, you're not gonna let the fear stop you or drive you. It's not gonna stop you from doing anything or drive you to do something. And all this came from my admitting and allowing. So the act part would be over here as you go on to whatever comes next. So this is not a meditation style, but uh, it's a very helpful style psychologically. Uh, You could use this, say, with loneliness. Let's say you feel... I mean the loneliness is not really a feeling. The actual statement needs to be when I'm lonely, I feel This is a state It's a state of being, not a feeling so but when I'm in this state of being of loneliness, I feel scared, sad, whatever the actual feeling is. When you just stay with that, give it hospitality, then it's uh, it's more likely to go over its bell-shaped curve. And finally, uh, we're not doing this because we want it to go over the bell-shaped curve only. We're doing it for one other reason, which is now that I have admitted fear or loneliness and allowed it rather than run to some um, to some exit out of it, and now that I'm acting in a way that Uh, doesn't let it interfere with my getting on with my life. It has shown me something. It has become a teacher. I'm finding out more about what fear is like and how I hold it, what my unique way of feeling it is. And from that point of view, it's enormously valuable. That's the appreciativeness. That's where you're appreciating the feeling because it's showing you something important about you. Makes sense, everybody? Uh, right here.
2: I can mm-hmm. relate to both of these um, kind of approaches and I wonder if there's even a third um, yeah. as far as one is kind of acknowledging and, you know, the touch and go like you're saying from a Buddhist mm-hmm. perspective and this allowing and letting it run its course but what about kind of having fear, and then just moving forward with love in, in, a, in just a different direction entirely.
0: Okay. She's mentioning another kind of practice, um, which I also think is important. Um, and you could do this with breathing. So you're kind of breathing in the fear, taking it fully into yourself rather than running away from it and then breathing out uh, the love. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Yes, I like that very much. Um, I want to say one thing about this. I want to add one thing to what you're saying. This is all part of our topic so far, which is how do we love ourselves? We love ourselves by giving ourselves the five A's by giving ourselves the kind of love that we originally received or always wanted. We love ourselves by allowing ourselves to feel our feelings. And now we're loving ourselves by breathing in the fear and... and, and so what you do is you look for the place in your body where you're feeling the fear. So let's say Uh, For me, it's in the pit of my stomach. So I picture myself breathing into that pit of my stomach. And just, that's the admitting of the fear, just letting it be there. And then breathing out from the heart, that's the love. So that it somehow has gotten transformed in this circle it's going through in me. But here's the part I want to mention. That right away when I feel the fear... I think to myself, David, you're a sissy. <laughs> you shouldn't be having fears like this. What's wrong with you? That's that shaming voice inside that makes the fear even worse than the actual feeling. So I'm also adding to this now that I notice the put-down, the shaming, that's in having the feeling. I mean, you could even feel a shame that you're lonely. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm lonely because nobody wants to be with me, everybody else is out there having fun, and I'm here all alone because, you know, you start to feel self-pity. That you notice uh, how you shame yourself and that you breathe that fear to the shame to disperse it. I want to bring something from my heart that has the power to um, to uh, free me from that sense of shame. Everybody, fellow? Because I, we even judge ourselves for having the feelings we have.
2: Can I add one yes. small question? I wonder about this sometimes as if you're know, talking about, oh, you can take a drink or distract yourself. When you're feeling fear, and sometimes I wonder if this, like, oh, I'm just going to breathe out love because fear is not good, and I'm going to now cover, it. like, it's a, it's a, it's a, a different way of not validating the fear. Um, like I'm going to cover up the fear with love because it's not good, and
0: oh, right, you know, I'm just yes. wondering because that wouldn't I've be thought. very honest. <laughs> no, it's not covering it up. It's um, it's going to the other side of the coin because this is how. Remember the Bible says, "True love casts out fear." It's as if uh, the it's as if one side of the coin is the fear, and fear excludes. I'm afraid of this, so I want to keep it away. So that's what fear does. It excludes, whereas love includes. This is why there are two sides of one coin. Because this this undoes, this is the undoing of the excluding. So love being some kind of opening would mean that it includes, it lets everything in. That's our loving-kindness practice. I let in not only those, not only myself and those I love, but all beings. So I'm including, whereas love is doing the opposite. I mean fear is doing the opposite. So this is why um, this is why you would not be using the practice to avoid anything, but, to beca- but because you trust that if the fear is in there, so must be the love. That capacity doesn't disappear. The one who feels fear is also the one who can love. So take this poem by George Herbert, 17th century. In this one, he's having a conversation with the angel of love who has come to visit him. And uh, love bade me welcome, but my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. You shall be he, said love. I, the unkind, the ungrateful, ah, my dear... I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand, and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? True, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. Ah, you must sit down, said love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. So so we, when we meet up with love, the first reaction is the fear because I'm not worthy. Not worthy is really a secret code for I'm afraid to let in something that will open me. And in the poem, he kind of has a little conversation. It's done in a mirthful way. And finally, uh, the final statement is, well, all you have to do is uh, just totally let me in. Eat is let in, and he says so. I did that, and you do that because you're um, finally going with the opening and the including. Okay, uh, right behind you, uh, Laura. Right, be- yeah.
1: Hi, this is. A new concept for me. So I want to clarify and make sure I'm understanding something. Yeah. So I'm thinking of the practical just imprinting. Fear has caused me to stop in freeze state or driven me. If somebody is in danger or a kid is in the street or they're being abused, I'll, I'll either freeze in shock and not know what to do or I'm going to run because I am afraid they're going to get hurt. But what I'm hearing is instead of letting fear have that intensity of of our, our actions have it come from love that I just want to treasure this this precious being and and act in whatever way that is. So that love is driving or stopping us rather than fear, is that what
0: I'm hearing? That instead of being stopped or driven by the fear you're summoning up a uh, kind of courage and that word and that word comes from comes from a latin word meaning heart that you you consult your heart where love is and you and you override the the uh flee fight freeze You override that by coming up with um, a way of being present in a more loving way. And and remember, we're on the topic of how we love ourselves. And um, we even fear knowing ourselves fully. We fear our feelings. We fear our deepest needs, we fear some of our wishes, we fear closeness, so when you use this kind of, of um, practice of I'm going to admit that I'm afraid of closeness, I'm going to allow myself to feel that fear while I let someone get a little closer, so I'm not going to stop him or her or from getting closer, I'm just going to... Um, override it that would be a way of taking care of yourself does this make sense did you have more to ask about it
1: i just didn't know if what what i was hearing in my own brain something that you were saying <laughs> a okay different way. but
0: now do you have a clearer i'm i'm working on it <laughs> okay all right that's fair enough uh, yeah the man with the glasses right behind you These questions help us to expand on the topic.
2: Yeah, I'm wanting to revisit admit, allow, act as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Admit and allow are actions of a certain kind. So I find myself wondering, okay, what are some of these actions that you would take after you admit and you allow? So I guess that's what we're going to spend the rest of the day talking about, skillful actions. Yeah, skillful ways of loving yourself and then others, and then all beings. uh, How love can begin with ourselves and then go out in these concentric circles. Um, But did you have any other specific question on the...
2: Well, in the moment I found myself saying, hmm, okay, I wonder what some of those actions would
0: be that would cause me to not be driven or to stop because of some feeling that had arisen. So I guess that probably what you'll be talking about today is what some of those actions are. That you won't be pushed into doing something because you were afraid, as we so often have been, and you won't be stopped from doing something because you're so afraid. So let's use a very simple example. Let's say uh, the doctor has told you that um, as of a certain age you should have this medical test. But you're afraid to take this test because you don't want to find out if you have a problem, let's say. You're just afraid of taking this medical test. So I'm afraid of taking this test. I let myself feel that fear. I don't want to find out that I have X, Y, or Z illness. And I'm really afraid. And while I'm really afraid and allowing myself to feel the fear, I'm dialing the phone to make the appointment. That's how it's done. So you have it in your back pocket, but you're still going and doing what you need to do. So it's not stopping me from, doing, from carrying out a, an important health habit. It's not stopping me from doing that. And you're less likely to be stopped, paradoxically, when you admit and allow. What an important way of loving ourselves. Because it's a way of saying yes. That's what allow is. It's a way of saying yes to all of our story. our story will include some feelings that we don't like, people that we have difficulties with, but somehow I'm saying yes to the way it looks, and I'm somehow working with it using a, a simple practice like this, which um, releases me from the grip of it. Grip of what? The grip of the of the fear, or the loneliness, whatever it may be. Okay. Uh, right up here. Okay. Hold it, she's going to give you the...
2: Yes, I just want to make sure I'm following because I had originally thought that you had said that this way of looking at, say, fear, allowing it, etc., was an alternative to the mindful way of doing it, which was to pat it on the fanny. Are, is, yeah. is, no, is, this
0: is yet another practice.
2: This is a different one than yeah. the mindful way. Yes. So, um, are we? Is the mindful, mindful way
0: is to let it go?
2: Just to, I, so I don't really understand the mindful way. In other words, you're you're afraid oh. of the dental. You're afraid of the appointment you have to make, and yeah. then you just go oh, pff, goodbye. <laughs> I mean, what's patting it on the fanny? I don't quite understand that.
0: Okay, it's. Um Well, first of all, it's done in a meditation, like when we were sitting. So let's say you're sitting, and the point of the sitting is to be aware of your breathing and stay in the here and now. Then a thought comes in to your mind. Let's say a fear, oh, Monday I have to get the root canal. So that fear comes in. The mindful style is... Let me, that has come in, I label it a thought and let it go rather than entertaining it by thinking to myself, should I take a Xanax before I go there, should I? Okay, so instead of doing that, you're just letting it go. Later when you're up from the cushion and the fear comes in, then you go to this practice. You could even try being mindful in the densest chair. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, straight ahead yeah. Yes.
3: You talked earlier about when we move from our hearts or from out here, getting love out here into our hearts.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you
3: model for us? The conversation that we might have at the end of the day if we go home to our significant other and say "Hey, I went to this thing today and I learned that I don't need what I thought I was getting from you
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah? yeah I'm following so far go ahead that
3: was that's kind of it because I'm guessing there's a few that are in committed relationships, and uh, that's just seemingly a difficult point of interaction to have. Explaining, mm-hmm. you know, how you you got to this process, and now you don't need that other person as much,
0: or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I want to actually address this in here. Um, Uh, I have a practice in here called um, Safe Conversations. Would you look in here and see if you can find it? Um, so.
3: And thank you, by the way, for acknowledging that, yes, there are things we have to get from other people throughout yes. life. And it's not yes. all about total self-dependence. Or
0: no, you're still wanting it from others, but you're beginning now to see that, oh... Here's an option. I can give it to myself. And that may reduce the sense of craving for how much I need it from someone else. But what you do want to say, thank you, to the partner is you do want to share that, hey, this is what feeling loved is like for me. And you tell me what it's like for you and let's see if we can give it to each other. That would be a a very adult question. (laughs) Um, I have my section here. I'm on page 142. Um, Love brings out all the facts about who we are and who our partner is. It is said that love is blind, but real love is an eye-opener. We see into ourselves and into our partner, into our past and into our present. This is called safe conversations. So what I suggest is that at some point, Um, partners. I mean, I never did this in my own marriage, but I (laughs) thought of it later. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, And look at these important questions. How did my parents show me attention? Imagine telling this to your... Not trying to get someone to do anything. It's just, how did my parents show me attention? How did they show... That they accepted me as I am. How do they show they valued me? Then you go on to the next part. This is the kind of attention I need, and this is what helps me feel that I'm getting it. Imagine what you're going to find out about your partner as you look at his or her face as you say this. This is the kind of attention I need, and this is what helps me know that I'm getting it. Just giving information. Not putting any pressure. (laughs) Then you go on to, how was sadness expressed in my childhood home? You ever asked your partner that question? How was anger expressed? How was fear expressed? How was exuberance expressed? I remember in my childhood home, every time we were exuberant, my mother said the same thing. Remember, after laughter comes tears. (laughs) So, I mean, just simple question. I have other questions here. I won't go into them now. But um, just working with questions like this, I mean, would mean a lot for you to get to know each other. And, of course, you're, you're receiving all this information uh, with hospitality. You're not blaming somebody for the kind of love that he or she needs. You're not saying, "Oh, it's childish to want that." You're saying, "Oh, that's let me see if there's some way that I can be there for you in that way." But the more you're, since our first topic is how do we love ourselves, the more you're directing it to yourself, the less um, will you, the less pressure will you be put putting on, the less pressure will you put on others to try to take care of it for you. As she says in the poems. Oh, as in, in the poem, Oh, I am looking oppositely for the sight of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, uh, the,
2: sorry, I have the mic over here. Okay. Um, it just reminded me of something you've talked about before called the adult dose. Where yes. You're, where you're not looking for 100%. I found that a very helpful way to kind of... Yeah. I understand the concept. You're not looking for hundred percent.
0: In infancy, we need hundred percent of these five A's from our parents, of course, because we have no other resources. Growing up is the equivalent of gaining resources, gaining new, new ways of finding fulfillment of these, like other family members, friends, teachers, so forth. Until you get into full adulthood, when you would no longer seek any more than 25% from any one person. You have reduced down to what you are requiring. Sound like too high a figure? (laughs) It is kind of high. Imagine having somebody pay attention to you six hours a day. Because that would be 25%. <laughs> I don't think you want that.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and go on to other questions and on to other things. So I'll see you in about 10 minutes.
1: Thank you.